Welcome to Agent Investor, where you'll hear inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. Join your host, investor and broker Tom Caffarella, as he dives into how active agents are delivering a high level of service to clients while spotting opportunities, negotiating with homeowners, signing deals, and building additional streams of income. You'll come away from each episode with practical tips, tactics, and action steps while being inspired to open your eyes to the potential deals that are all around you. After all, you have the skills, you have the market knowledge, you have access to the information. Why not leverage all those assets to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? If you're an active agent interested in investing in real estate and building passive income, this is your podcast. And now let's jump into this episode of Agent Investor. Hey everyone, this is Tom Caffarella from the Real Estate Mogul Podcast. I am really excited for the guest that we have today, Diego Corzo out of Austin, Texas. What's going on, Diego? Hey, Tom, very excited to be here. Thank you for coming on. So the topic for today is we're going to talk about, focus on how you got out of the corporate world and to become a full-time real estate investor. Because that's the biggest thing that I, I hear from everybody who wants to get into real estate investing is they want to quit their nine to five job. And you have successfully done that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about what you were doing in corporate America when, when you were there. Yeah, exactly. I'll be more than happy to share. Um, So what happened was um, I graduated college when I was 23. I studied information technology and I got a job right after I graduated with GM, the car company. Yeah. They hired me in the college, uh, in the, in the college graduate program, uh, which allowed me to, to choose the technology um, job, and they gave me an opportunity to go to either Austin or Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I chose Austin, and that was my that was my first transition into corporate America. I moved to Austin, and I worked there for I worked at GM for about two years. Yep. I did software development, and after the two years, I decided that it was time for me to quit my job, but in that time, in those two years, I had read Rich That Poor That, I had invested into, I had invested into some properties just a little bit, and I also got my license. So at what point did you know that corporate America wasn't for you? I, I realized that corporate America wasn't for me when I could see other other employees that weren't that I would put in 50 hours or 40 hours and some of some of the employees would only work 35 hours so but we were getting the same salary so I realized that um, that no matter what how long I could work, our pay is going to be the same. And I decided to focus into, to focus into getting into an, an occupation where your, where your time, your effort determines your success. Yeah. It's kind of a funny thing. And you know, it's not true of all jobs in corporate America, but that was one of the most frustrating things for me as well. I was a CPA and I worked for a big firm right out of college and mm-hmm. 
you know, you would look at the pay scales and people that were two or three or four years ahead of you. And the people that were really good two or three or four years ahead of you were only making a little bit more than the people who are average or below average that were two or three years ahead of you. And then even to me, 20, 30 years out, I was always looking at, well, what are the people doing that are at the, you know, end game, the, you know, the mm-hmm. 40, 45, 50 year olds. And what I saw and, you know, to me was the most frustrating is those people were still working just as hard as the people who were in their 20s and 30s. And there seemed to be kind of no ending sight. I don't know if that was the same with you as well. Yeah, I saw that no matter what in that 20 years later doing the same thing it would i will be in the cubicle next door uh, but we will still be there fight traffic and i decided that that wasn't what i wanted to do and i wanted to have in the future the flexibility um, to work either from whatever i wanted or at various at different times and make my own schedule so did you kind of go cold turkey? Did you quit your job and then become a real estate investor or did you kind of ease your way into it while you had your full-time job? Yeah, in that sense, I actually eased my way into it. Mm-hmm. I realized that um, that the banks, if you're doing, if you're buying homes the conventional way, they love the W-2 um, tax returns, right? Mm-hmm. So you can, you, what I decided to do is to get into as much of good debt Mm-hmm. Uh, before I quit my job. Yep. And uh, I started with one of my first properties was through this, the strategy called house hacking, yep. where I decided to buy a, buy a four-bedroom home, rent out the three rooms, and live for free. Okay. So what that helped me was that all of a sudden, my living expenses were extremely low. So I didn't have to depend on my salary income to... Um, to live. And, and I, think, I think that's one of the big traps. A lot of people get, get in, they get a pay raise and they get a nicer apartment or they get, you know, a bigger house. And then essentially they're just always working for money. And so exactly now, were you, were you at exactly break even when you were doing the house hacking or were you making a couple bucks or losing a couple bucks? When I did the house hacking, I was making, I was paying off the mortgage and I was making $300 a month extra. And uh, the cool part about that is that I also had a car payment at that time that was like, like around 300. So by me buying a house, just putting 5% down, um, I actually covered my mortgage the rental income plus my car. So then all of my expenses were just on food and travel. Food and travel. So effectively, I mean, you don't need to travel. I mean, but you do need to eat. So, but you, you could live, you could, you could make very little income and still survive effectively. Exactly. Exactly. So what that bought me was the opportunity that I didn't need money anymore and I could explore different things and spend my time wisely. So I think the big takeaway there is that, you know, some people wouldn't do what you did. Some people will say, well, I don't want to live with other people or, you know, I don't want to own rental property, but it allowed you to completely, you know, basically have, have no bills. Exactly. So, so when you, when you left your job, did you have just that one property at that time or had you already accumulated other rental units? By the time that I left my job, I probably had around four to five doors. Four to five doors. Okay. Yeah. The first property, again, refresh my memory. You said that was a single family, right? The first property was a single family. 
And I actually bought that one in Florida with my dad. I partnered up with him. Um, and then, uh, that was in Florida while I lived in Austin, Texas. I still had to get my finances, um, fixed a little bit with my credit score and stuff like that so that I could buy a house here in Austin and house hack. Yeah. So I started in Florida just so that I can get started because what a lot of people do is they always try to go for like the, the home run on their first property what I decided to do is like, I just wanted to get into it, even if I had a partner or maybe two partners, yeah. just so that I can get that experience. Yeah, definitely. The first one is always the hardest because you always have the most doubts. You don't know what's going to happen. It's funny exactly. because like, you know, a lot of times the first property, you're taking very little risk, but it feels mentally like you just took some huge, you know, risk and you don't know what's going to happen. And um, so, so you got the one in Florida, you got the one in Austin. Yeah. What was the next step after that for you? The next step, um, the next step after that, I decided to teach two of my friends how mm-hmm. to, I decided to teach them the difference between active income and passive income. Mm-hmm. I introduced them to rich that poor that. And when, when they got hungry, when there was a spark in, uh, in their eyes, I decided to partner, I decided to show them how we can buy properties and have their money work for them. So we decided to buy an investment property. Mm-hmm. Um, we bought it together. So 33% partners. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the, the, that was the second property that I bought here in Austin. And after that, one of my best friends from high school, he decided to partner up with me and we actually bought two more properties in Austin, 50, 50 partners. So all of those, so the first deal that you did, you put 5% down because it was an owner occupied loan. Mm-hmm. The other ones after that, what, what percentage were you putting down on those? In the, in the ones that we bought here in Austin, mm-hmm. we, we got the 20% conventional mm-hmm. And we split that. So if there were two partners, 50-50, there were three partners, 33%. And so what a lot of people do is exactly what Diego is doing, which is, you know, you put 20% down on the property. Then a lot of times they will renovate it, wait for the equity to increase and then pull money out. Um, exactly. And on, you know, the site Bigger Pockets, they refer that to that as the Burr strategy. Exactly. Have, have you done that yet or are you considering doing that? So it's funny, um, about two days ago, I just bought a quadplex. Mm -hmm. I I just added that to my, to my portfolio and that quadplex call, it cost us a hundred thousand dollars and we're bringing in gross 2000. And this is a quadplex in Austin. This is a quadplex in Jacksonville, Florida. I was going to say, I don't even... Yeah. For, oh, for Austin, you can never... Well, you know, it's funny because the Austin prices... How long have you lived in Austin for? I've lived in Austin for four years. Okay. So going back 10 or 15 years, you might have been able to get a quadplex in Austin for that price. But probably man, you guys have had some incredible growth with so many companies coming into that specific area. Oh yeah, for real. And it's, and it's been, uh, we've seen it where houses that I bought a house for 195 in 2015 and I just sold it for 243, two years later. And I didn't do it. We didn't put any money into it. It just, it just appreciated. So, so that's, that's an interesting thing when it comes to rental properties that 
Mm -hmm. I, I didn't realize when I first started to accumulate rental properties, I always bought them on cash flow. And I said, I'm never going to sell any of these properties. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, prices started to go way, way up. And it was hard for me to justify on some of them not selling because there had been so much appreciation in such a little period of time. I felt I could better deploy my capital into other properties. And I'm assuming that's what you kind of figured out on that one as well, right? Exactly. So what yeah. I did is I sold a property that I have that I had here in Austin and I used those proceeds um, to buy a property in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. And that quadplex, we bought it for a hundred. We're gonna put around six to eight grand into it. Yep. And uh, and after that, in a couple of months, we are going to uh, get a loan on it and it will probably appraise around 130. Mm -hmm. We can get 75% of our money out. So by that is we, we can probably take back 90 to a hundred thousand dollars, uh, which is all the money that we put in. So yep. that will be my first, uh, my first try on the Burr strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, whether or not you can get all of your money back out today, you will eventually be able to get all of your money back out. And obviously some of it's depending upon the, the lending environment and some of it's depending on the, the appreciation on the property. But for the most part, every property that we've owned over three to four years, we've been, if we want to, we've been able to pull money back out. And then obviously we reallocate that back into other properties. Exactly. Let's talk about, so you're in Austin. Let's talk about why you're in Jacksonville, why you're buying in Jacksonville and how you're actually getting those properties managed. Yeah, so I'm in Austin, but the market here, as, as we were talking about earlier, it has been increasing so much. There's so much appreciation that to get cash flow right now, positive cash flow every month, mm -hmm. it's extremely hard. And right now, <clears throat> at the age of 26, what I want to focus on is on cash flow. Yep. I want my my goal is to get to six grand a month coming in passively after expenses. So I so seeing that in Jacksonville, I can buy a house or or a duplex and and bring in more than the more than the one percent rule, which is basically the ideal is to buy a house for a hundred thousand and rent it at one percent, right? So you can rent rent it out for a thousand dollars a month. In Jacksonville, what I've seen is that I can buy a house for, let's say, 50000 and it rents out for 750 or maybe 800 So, so you're getting even better numbers in Jacksonville. Exactly. Yeah, so so the, the, the number that you're talking about, essentially what we look at is the same exact thing, but we, um, we take 100 times whatever the monthly rents are, and that's the most that we can pay. So if, if the property is drawing in $2,500 a month in rent, we can pay two fifty. dollars If it's drawing in $4,000 a month, we can pay $400,000. And what you're talking about is the fact that depending upon where you are in the United States right now, some markets, the numbers just don't work. Um, exactly. We both happen to be in markets where as of today, they don't work. And even, even in both of our markets, even if you get a property at a 20 or 30% discount, a lot of times they still don't work. Mm -hmm. Um, so areas like Jacksonville and there's pockets of different areas like this across the United States, mm -hmm. you can still get those numbers. So you yeah. made the decision that you're going to start stockpiling some of your money into an area like Jacksonville. Now, mm -hmm. 
people in my market think about doing that stuff all the time. There's markets like Memphis and um, and Houston and um, Detroit that you can you can still cash flow in. So how are you getting it done? How are you finding those properties? How are you getting them managed? How are you able to do it confidently without you know being able to sleep at night? Yeah. So from that perspective, it's actually, it worked out pretty well because my brother's a wholesaler over there. Okay. All right. Yeah. So he's a wholesaler and he has the connections. He has, um, he has partnered with a property management company mm-hmm. and they charge me 9%, eight or 9% per yeah. property. Um, so he walks the houses and he's able to wholesale the properties to me. I buy them, and then that property management company just takes over. Makes and, sense. Yeah, and sometimes the homes already has, hey, already have a family in them, or if not, the property management company takes over, and they will find a tenant. And I actually prefer that. Yeah. Just so that the property management company can do their own due diligence on the tenant, they make sure that that they are able to pay and stuff like that. Um, there are some properties in Jacksonville that actually works out well where it does have a family, has that grandma that's living there for the past 10 years and she's paying it from her social security. I I would buy that house no matter what, just because like she's been there for 10 years, she has nowhere else to go and is getting paid by her retirement. So for me, that's more of a safe, um, safe investment because I know she'll be there for a while. For sure. So, so again, how much did you pay for that that fourplex in Jacksonville? Just so we can run through the numbers. Yeah, that that fourplex was a hundred grand. And now, was that at a discount to market value, or is it was it close to what market value was? Market value would probably be one twenty five. Okay, one thirty. So you got a thirty percent discount on the property. And how many of the four units were already rented out when you purchased it? There were three of them were rented out at five seventy five. Okay, and then the fourth one will be rented out at what? Will be rented out at five between five and five seventy five. Let's take a quick break from the episode to get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors. Join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. Okay. So yeah, so you're, well, you're above 2000 then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're above 2000 and then all, what do all of your expenses equal? A little over a thousand? Um, if it will be over a thousand, if we get a mortgage. Okay. Yeah. If we get a mortgage, it will probably be around a thousand overall. Um, but other than that, it's just, uh, the, the insurance and taxes, Mm-hmm. And then the, let's call it 10, 10% for the property management company. Yeah. So what will yeah. you, what will all of your costs be on a monthly basis roughly? As of right now, if we keep it cash, it'll probably be around five to $600 in my expenses. And then when you, when you refinance it and take it out, what would it be at? It will be around a thousand, a thousand dollars to maybe 1100 Okay, so your goal is to get to five to six thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So you would need five or six of those, right? Assuming, exactly. Assuming that you know, I know you went took on partners on that particular deal, but assuming that you did it on your own, mm-hmm. all you would need is five or six of those properties, and 
Now, the, the five or 6,000 as, as a goal, is that kind of what you feel like you need to live off of? Is that like your, your spending, I guess? For right now, yes, that is what, and that includes my living expenses as mm -hmm. well as I put a thousand there extra for travel and entertainment outside of Austin. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, to back up, you, you were in corporate America, you decided you didn't want to be there. You, you bought, um, you already bought the property with your dad in Florida. You bought a property in Austin where you could house hack and live for free. Mm -hmm. You left, um, you continued to invest in properties. And now I know you're also a real estate agent, right? Yes, I am. That's, that's how I am making my money actively now. Okay. So you've got passive income on the rental side, active income on the, the real estate brokerage side. What made you end up determ determining that you wanted to become a real estate agent and how does that fit in with your investment strategies? Yeah. So I wanted to become an agent just so that I could get to know the market because back then, when we're talking about three years ago, I really wanted to buy properties here in Austin. I wanted to buy one a year. Mm -hmm. Um, But the realtor that I use whenever I wanted to buy my first house in Austin, we became best friends. Well, not best friends, but we became very good friends and he became my mentor as well. Mm -hmm. And he actually, what I did is in order for me to see if I wanted to become a realtor, I asked him if I could drive him around over the weekends for free just so that I could learn. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I was working my eight to five job every single day. Mm -hmm. uh, so I drove him around for probably two to three weekends. And I decided that that's something that I would love to do. Mm -hmm. So I got my license and I started being a realtor part time. So nights and weekends worked out because that's the time where people that are buying homes, that's mostly where they're available to see homes. So it worked out well. And then two years later, after I got my license, him and I partner up. And now, now we have a team here with Keller Williams. Cool. Yeah, I love the team model because it allows people to really leverage their own time and efforts and energy. Exactly. Um, so on a week-to-week -week basis, how many hours do you spend as a real estate agent versus as an investor? As an investor, well, since the properties are in Florida, most of my time is in, uh, most of my time is being a realtor. Mm -hmm. So I would say 90% of my time is realtor and 10% are looking at, looking at properties or emailing my, my brother back and forth or um, talking with the property management companies. It's not much. So you just got that, that fourplex. Um, I'm assuming that the goal is to get that fourth unit rented out. And then, so what is the yeah. next step in order to get the next property? And are you going to stay in Jacksonville? Uh, yes, um, I'm probably going to be staying in Jacksonville for a little while. And the, the plan is in the next couple of months to take to refi that house, get the cash out. Mm -hmm. And with that money, either buy a duplex or put it in another property. Um, why wouldn't you stick, just out of curiosity, why wouldn't you stick with the fourplexes considering they seem to cash flow so well? If they, if they, because this one was a special deal. Okay. My brother just knew the owner. Mm -hmm. 
So usually the, those are like 150, 130,000. Yeah. Yes. So we, just because we were able to close in two weeks, um, we managed to get that house. But um, if we're able to find another quadplex, that would be awesome. And I'll be willing to, to do the same thing again. So how is your, is your brother scouting for the properties? What type of marketing activities does he do to find them? Yeah, so he partnered up with uh, a guy in Atlanta. He's a huge wholesaler over there. His name is Peter Bexelman. And he markets in the Jacksonville. I think they spend like $10,000 a month mm-hmm. in direct mail. And um, my brother is the one that after, after, the, after the owners of the home, the potential sellers, they, they call the Atlanta office they negotiate, um, they, they determine a price, and then my brother goes to see the properties. Mm-hmm. And that's when my brother will tell me, Diego, I just saw this house. It's going to be priced at this much. You should buy it, or do you have the money? And if, he do- and if I don't, then, of course, he sends it to his buyer's list. But he gives me first dibs in that end. So your brother is kind of boots on the ground for the company that's based out of Atlanta? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think interesting. So how did he get hooked up with those, with, with those guys? With those guys? Yeah. Um, so my, so I belong to a mastermind group called Go Abundance. Yep. I don't know if you've heard of them, but uh, I have. awesome. So those guys are my mentors and they are the ones that have helped me learn everything. And they mentor me to the level of where now I own 11 properties. So my brother worked for free for one of the members of GoBundance. And then six months later, they partner up and that's how he got connected to Peter Bechelman. Talk a little bit about GoBundance because I think it's an interesting concept. Yeah. Uh, so GoBundance, it is a mastermind for healthy, wealthy men. And uh, they are just hungry to, to have an amazing life, but they're very successful. Mm-hmm. So those guys, we get together once, we get together multiple times a year and we mastermind on our goals, on our companies that we're building uh, and families. And they're very f- focused too on adventure mm-hmm. and making sure that you are a millionaire, a whole life millionaire, not just on the money, but they focus in spending time with family as well as having fun and having an amazing business. So how do you, um, is that a, a program where you, you pay to be a member, I'm assuming? Yes. yes. What, is the, what is the cost for that? The cost to be a member uh, for GoBundance yep. is 6500 a year. Yep. And uh, there's guys that are worth $80 million in there, as well as guys that are worth $1 million, $5 million, $10 million. So, But you do have to be a millionaire. Okay. And I'm assuming that, that you and your brother have picked up a lot of good information from the people that are in the group. Oh, for sure. For sure. So now there is another program called March to a Million. And I was actually the first member of that March to a Million. Um, so I'm on my way. But now there's about 100 other members like me. And the GoBundance guys are the mentors to us. I see. So the March to a Million is getting you to... That, you know, a, what a net worth of a million dollars? Exactly. That's the goal. Makes sense. So you've, you've benefited from having mentors. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause um, I've been in, I I'm always in coaching programs and 
people will say to me, I can't believe you paid 25 grand for this, or you're paying 1500 bucks a month for that. And at the end of the day, I always get more than my money's worth. I've never, I've never gone into any program like that and not, not gotten a big ROI on it. Exactly. And the cool part is that it's like, you are meeting new people, you're getting different ideas and the guys play at a play at a level that I'm not there yet. Right. But I aspire to be like them. And because success leaves clues and they want to help me, they're able to teach me so that I don't have to, so that I leverage their experience and I don't have to go through the same failures that they did to get to their, whatever net worth is or however many businesses they have. Yeah. I mean, it's just shortcutting the process. I mean, you can, you can be successful, you know, two ways you can either copy what the people before you did, or you can trial and error it. And exactly. I've done both. Um, I've done some stuff where I've, I've just, you know, failed and failed and failed. And then I figured something out and I've also been mentored in other areas. And those are the, you know, from now on, I'm, I'm, you know, if, if I'm trying to do something new, I'm going to somebody who's ahead of me, but I've done both. And, you know, I always, now I'll go to somebody who's been above me to do it. Yeah. So talk about, um, you know, your goal is to get to the five or $6,000 a month passive income. What happens after that point? Are you going to just kind of relax for a little while or does, will then the bar go up a little bit? Uh, I think that the bar is going to go up right now. That is like the main goal that I focus on just to keep me hungry and to have me, have me accomplish that and always be thinking about that. Right. But I don't see myself, um, stopping anytime soon but what this buys me is having the option mm-hmm. and that's what I want is just having the option that if I don't want to work for a month on being a realtor then I don't have to because I have because I have my 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 passive income coming in uh, but it's not like I'm going to go cold turkey and just quit the next day and be done with it yeah right so yeah. what is your goal in terms of like how long before you think you can get to the five to 6,000 a month? My goal is to get to that this, this year, to be honest, that's my, that's my goal. It's uh, I have a website called freeby26.com and I did that so that I can be held accountable to becoming financially free for, for me, that's my five to six grand a month. And uh, that's, that's what I called it so that I can work towards that goal this year. Okay. And is that a stretch goal for you where you're like, well, it'd be great to hit it. Or do you think that's like what will happen this year? Most likely. That's what will happen this year. Yes. I just put myself in, in a plan so that I can make that happen. Cool. And who knows? I don't know right now if the goal next, like after I complete that five to six, if it will be to double that in two years. Yeah. Right. And to go more hard, hardcore into that. Um, or because like right now I'm going based on like cash flow, yes. right? But later, maybe once I hit that 10, 10 grand a month, maybe it becomes, okay, I want to go more for appreciation. So mm-hmm. I invest in cities like Austin where like Austin is a unique city because yeah. even though prices are booming there's still companies that are coming here there's still businesses that are that are building their headquarters like oracle is about to open up within a year or two um a whole new headquarters in an area in austin that is not as developed yet um so that's just going to make prices go up even more 
Yeah, you're in a really, really different market than mine. So in my market, there's there's no there's no land to build on. Everything everything's been built. Mm-hmm. And um new employers aren't really attracted to coming into Massachusetts because we've got high taxes, we've got high regulation. Mm-hmm. You guys are the exact opposite. You've got land to build on and you guys have got companies running into Texas both on the 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 um regulations and on the tax benefits. So Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. Plus, you guys have the weather on top of it. So, right. you know, long long term, it's definitely, um, you know, a great place to be. So, um, yeah, no, I, I love the goal. So I love the fact that you're trying to get, you know, to to a net zero. And then once you get to that point, like, do you think you'll continue, you know, let's say two or three years down the line, let's say you even get to 10000 a month. Mm-hmm. At that point, would you focus 100% on investing or would you still do some of the real estate brokerage stuff? I, I'll probably be, I probably won't be doing the realtor part of it as much mm-hmm. other than just dealing, uh, than, than just helping my sphere. Yep. Okay. So, I, so if you're helping your sphere, then you do enjoy doing it though. Exactly. I do. Yeah. I love it. I love it because I'm helping out my friends. They're having fun. We might grab lunch, grab a beer, and then go look at properties. Yeah, right? not, not yeah. too bad, right? Exactly. I, I like that more than doing open houses or going and door knocking for an hour or two before my open house um, and try to get leads that way. Mm-hmm. Being Working with, with my sphere, it makes it more like I, I choose to work with them and they choose to work with me rather than me trying to sell them on, hey, you have to work with me. So what would you say to the person that is working at a corporate job right now and just hates getting up every single day? Mm-hmm. I would say try, I would say write down a goal that you want. Um, it can be a monetary goal, right? Mm-hmm. So that they can, um, they can invest their money and build some passive income. I feel like building that passive income or having a side hustle will will be able to you you will be able to quit corporate america but the other thing is this your lifestyle has to go down a little bit if you do want to quit corporate america mm-hmm. because what a lot of people do here in austin is they they get a nice salary job making 60 80 grand but then they choose to live downtown mm-hmm. so then what happens is they're going to be stuck in the rat race because then they buy the new car and all of a sudden, now they have people to impress because they live downtown and they have the new car. What I did is I was making sixty grand, but I was renting uh, I was renting a room for five hundred a mile away from 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 where I work. So my commute was very was short. I didn't have to spend time on gas, and my expenses were low. So I think the saying is live for 10 years like nobody else will and then you'll live the rest of your life like nobody else can exactly exactly so so yeah i mean i think at the end of the day you know to be successful in anything you have to be willing to sacrifice whether that's a lifestyle or time or you know whatever i mean if you do the same thing that everybody else does you're going to get the results that everyone else gets so um but but i definitely think that you know if, if you're at a job that you hate that can literally ruin your life because mm-hmm. you spend more time at work over the course of your life than you do at almost anything else. Mm-hmm. And if you have a bad day at work or you don't like getting going up and getting to work, that then trickles down into all, you know, all the other facets, facets of your life. And for me, 
you know, that was the biggest thing. I just, you know, it, it was it, just something I need to get out of, but, um, exactly. you know, I definitely think you have, a, you have a great story. And if, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get back in touch with you? Yeah. The best way is to find me on Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. Diego Corso, or they can send me an email to Diego at freeby26.com. Cool. Well, um, yeah. I want to thank you for, for coming on today. You definitely have an inspiring story. And um, for those of you who are on the podcast now, we will be live again next week with another interview and check out our, our podcast every week. And this is Tom Caffarella signing off. Thank you, Diego, again for coming on. It was my pleasure. Take care. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Agent Investor and especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.